Hello everybody, and I just want to say as always, welcome to the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast, and uh, I hope that it is a blessing to you uh, that you are listening to this. I hope that you get a good blessing out of it, uh, as I have, and uh, I hope that everybody is doing well, and I will say again, I hope that you are blessed with this program. Uh, There's been something on my mind a lot. Uh, here lately and it's not the first time this has happened Uh, there is a subject that I think needs to be addressed and this is what we're going to talk about today on this uh, episode of the podcast it is the subject of your service you know what happens uh, what happens when you fail to answer uh, a calling that God has put upon your life, you know, what are the uh, eternal consequences of that as a Christian? And so there are several passages that we will be looking at. Uh, Most of these are from the book of Hebrews, and they're not, we're not going to read through these in any particular or chronological order, but Uh, If you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, and we will read from verses 26 through 31. So, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and the raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more sorely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So, the Bible tells us here in verse 26, that if we, having been saved and sanctified, go on in our willful sin, you know, if we just go on in our willful sin and there is only a fearful expectation of judgment awaiting us from Christ. Um, what was going on here, just to kind of give you a, just a little bit of historical background and context, the Jewish brethren here apparently were, some, or, or some of them uh, were offering sacrifices. They were being persecuted, for one thing. You know, but however, no sacrifice remained as Christ had been the true sacrifice for all sins. So the animal sacrifices had no effect. They were ineffectual. Christ had already died and risen from the dead. And so by doing this, they had, in effect, set aside Christ. They were doing something they weren't supposed to be doing. And they were going to be judged with a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You know, those who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. But with greater, with the greater revelation of Christ, 
the judgment for such behavior is more severe to continuously and knowingly do wrong after God has dealt with you over it is to trample the Son of God and insult the Holy Spirit. And I will go ahead and say that we must note here that in these last two verses, God has said that it is his to avenge, that he will repay, and also that he shall judge his people, and that it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And again, we will take note here that God says he will judge his people. And this is very important. You know, his people are going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ and not at the great white throne of judgment that we are shown in Revelation. They shall be judged for how they put Christ to an open shame. You know, this is something that people need to pay attention to here. This is a passage of scripture that gets a lot of people worried. And um, this one thing, this is one thing that sticks out to me in this passage here. That says that the Lord shall judge his people. So they are his people. His people are going to be judged. We, the true Christians, are his people. You know, we are his people. So we will see him. We will go before him as one of his people. It is very important that people remember that when dealing with this uh, passage of scripture here. And so by their lives, you know, they were putting Christ to an open shame by their behavior, by their lifestyle. And it could be other things too. We could do this today just by, you know, engaging in open sin or, you know, especially open sin, you know, people know what you're doing and you just do it anyway and, it, and they know that you're a Christian. Well, that puts Christ to an open shame because, you know, Jesus wouldn't have you live that way. However, it is, however you're living, you know, if, uh, you know, whatever you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing. So we will go to the next passage here, which talks about people putting Christ to an open shame. And it is Hebrews chapter 6, verses, verses 4 through 12, excuse me. We start off in verse 4. It says, For it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away, to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Verse 7. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Verse 9, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continued to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that you hope, so, so that your hope for, 
you know, so that what you hope for, excuse me, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So, we see here that this, the believers in this church were still not mature, you know, so the authors of Hebrews included this warning to them to show them the dangers of immaturity. They had been enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gifts, so they were indeed quite saved. Yes, they were Christians here. This passage is talking about Christians. However, if they were to fall away, they could not repent of it because they were, they were or would be in the process of putting Christ to an open shame. You can't repent of putting Christ to an open shame while you are out of fellowship with him and wallowing in the mud and getting whatever sins all over you. And there's something that I want to throw in here that um, uh, a lot of people might not know when they're reading this passage. The word for falling away is the Greek word. I think it is parapipto or some form of that. It means to fall down, to stumble. And so you are falling away out of your fellowship with Christ, if you're doing something that puts him to an open shame, you are out of fellowship and putting him to an open shame. And so while you're doing that, you can't repent from it. I mean, you can't repent from putting Christ to an open shame as long as you're doing the things, you know, the, the sins that you're doing. And so they're kind of, you know, the, you know, it's such a life, shames and insults the spirit and puts Christ to an open shame. Christians living this kind of life are like the field that bears thorns and thistles and is and is not useful. You know, Christians who uh, live like this will produce things that will be burned. You know, it says, hey, the field that grows the thorns and thistles is good for, it's only good to be burned. But the author was believing better things of the audience here. They were... You know that they were progressing in their sanctification and he encouraged them to grow so that they would know more of God's peace and blessings he was warning them against hardening excuse me just a second here technical difficulties he was war he encouraged them to grow so that they would know more of God's peace and blessings he was warning them against hardening their hearts and falling out of fellowship with Christ and winding up in the wilderness. This is what happens when you're out of fellowship with Christ. It's like you're in the wilderness. You're still his child. He is still your father. But you don't have that fellowship that you need with him, you know. And it's a tough life when you get like that. Everybody's done it. I've done it. I've been there. And it's not a pleasant place to be, but he is still your father, and you're his child. And so, with the talk, with this mention of the wilderness, we'll go into the next passage here, which is Hebrews chapter three, verses seven through twelve. In verse seven. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for forty years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. 
I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So, the people of God had known his power in, in Egypt and in the desert, yet they still failed to take God at his word. They kept going astray. You know, they let their heart, they let their unbelief affect their lives, and it caused God to be angry with them. They had hardened their hearts. God swore because of their unbelief that they would not have rest, the rest that he had, that he had intended for them. They wound up in the wilderness. Still God's people, but yet they failed to obtain the promise that he had given them because of their unbelief. They were out in the desert for 40 years. He fed them and gave them water, but they grumbled and just all kinds of stuff. You know, they, uh, they just would not um, keep their hearts from being hardened. It was just through their unbelief, and they suffered for it. They did not uh, go on to attain the promises that they could have had they been obedient. So the next passage we will look at is the last one here. That is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 1 through 15. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit but as people who are still worldly, worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through him, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have, have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet still be but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And so here, uh, we see Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. Corinth had a reputation for being a, world, a very 
uh, worldly city. They were still worldly Christians. That you know, Corinth was rampant with you know sexual sins and probably some other types of sins too. Uh, they had not made as much progress, perhaps, as they could have. They were Christians, but still worldly. You know, the word I hear used sometimes is carnal Christians. Paul had laid for them the foundation that they had, which was their faith in Jesus Christ, but they still were not ready for spiritual meat. They still needed milk. They were not producing the fruits they could have been. Paul tells them they are to take care with what they used to build on top of their faith. You know, a life not so much centered on Christ and being more entangled with the world will not allow much, if any, reward. It's going to produce a lot of wood, hay, and stubble, you know, things that will be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, I remember one time I heard the, uh, the old preacher, J. Vernon McGee, you know, he said before that in, the, that in a way he wasn't so sure that he, would, that he would look forward to the examination Christ was going to give him because everything was going to be tested. You know, he was, you know, I remember him saying he was going to, that, that Jesus was going to pick old J. Vernon McGee apart. You know, it's everything in our Christian life is going to be examined. And whatever was good, you know, there will be a reward for it. And uh, in all the passages we've looked at, in most of them we see that God is going to judge Christians with fire. It's not the fire of damnation, you know, like it's what is in Revelation, you know, the lake of fire. It's not that judgment of, it's not that fiery judgment. You know, we're told in... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 through 31 that you know it is a fire it's a you know the fire will devour or consume the enemies of God you know but it will not consume and destroy the Christians you know who go before him because they are his children so you know some people get confused about this the reward the judgment of Christ is for your rewards or a lack thereof it's not for you know it's not where he's going to say well depart from me you're going to hell that's not what that judgment is it is a judgment to determine what reward you will receive you know heaven is not the reward people it's the gift people need to understand that and uh like i said in, in all the passages we've looked at and most in in most of these passages, we see that God is going to judge Christians with fire. Not the fire of damnation, but the fire of a kind which will reveal that which is not worthy of a reward. You know, and for much of my own life, I did not understand the significance of being saved as though by fire. You know, it's a truly, you know, I understand now that it's a truly serious thing to go before God and know that you did not do what you should have done as a Christian you know, and we, hey, we all have failures. We've all failed Jesus Christ at some point in our lives. And, you know, in fact, every day we fail in some manner. This is true. We all have failures. But, you know, to refuse God's certain callings on you, you know, to serve in some capacity or to not be so worldly has serious consequences. And, uh, these, these consequences will be seen at your encounter with Christ. And um, people 
can, you know, I've heard my own pastor talk about this before. You know, people run, Christians run from God. You know, people run for years from God. But, you know, they're running away from something that he wanted them to do. And, uh, you know, but they come back. But when they come back, it's like, hey, the prodigal son has returned. You know, he they get a reward for answering his service. It's, it's called a service. And it's the same thing if you have like a, you have a habitual sin in your life. You know, it's because really, you know, if you're running from a call, it's it's no it's in in a way it's no different than having a problem with any other habitual sin, because if you're running from him, that's a habit. You know, just like smoking a cigarette or looking at pornography or whatever it is. You know, you're running from God in some area of your life, and so if you yield to God's call on you in that area of your life. You receive a reward for it because you've decided to go with him and do what he wants you to do and receive the blessings that he can give you and will give you if you just yield. I've seen this in my own life. Hey, I ran for, I ran for God in a way for many years, you know, and, and might not have even fully realized it until it was brought to my attention by God himself. And it was not a very comfortable experience, but it was one that... After all was said and done, I'm glad I went through because it made me more of the person that I should have been for all those years, you know, and um, it is part of God's chastening on us, and the Bible also tells us in Hebrews that, you know, hey, nobody likes chastening, you know, because it's painful, but it's for our own good, and so uh, I'm going to end this here right now i just want to pray you know lord if there's anybody listening to this if they've got some kind of call in their life from you that they need to answer then i pray that they would yield and so they could so that they can produce more fruit and have a better relationship with you and then maybe lead other people to you by their example you know and uh, i hope that if anybody is listening to this by chance if they're not saved then i pray that uh your spirit would work on them in whatever manner it, he need, that, that is needed to get them to yield, to accept Christ and experience these, the opportunity for, first of all, salvation and eternal life and then the rewards that are to be had. And Lord, it's in uh, Jesus Christ's name I pray this. Amen.